0: Christchurch, New Malden, 16th of February 2020, 9.30 service. Becky Mills speaking on 2020 Vision, a church that cares for children and young people. Today then, a church that cares for our children and young people. We're coming near to the end of our series of talks on 2020 Vision. It's been so good, hasn't it, for us to reflect on the sort of church we want to become at the beginning of a new decade. Most of all, we want to be a place of welcome, a place where people of different ages, different ethnic and social backgrounds, and with different needs feel truly loved and accepted by God and by our church community. Anna spoke very movingly last week about church being a place of emotional safety, where people can be honest about their pain and united in their shared brokenness. That's a wonderful aspiration to have, isn't it? This morning, I'm talking about being a church that cares for children and young people. For a lot of us here, our lives revolve around our children and our grandchildren. There's so much part of us that when they're criticised, we feel criticised. And when they're praised, we feel praised. Their emotional pain is ours. And the joy they feel in their achievements is ours too. We invest so much in our children, don't we? But how much do we invest in our children as a church? How do we show that our children and young people are key in our communal life? In my talk this morning, I would like to explore the radical approach that Jesus takes in our passage when he sets a child in the midst of the disciples, privileging the children over the adults that were there secondly i would like us all to reflect on how as a church we follow jesus example and invest the same love and care in our children and young and young people as in our adults so let's begin by turning to the passage we heard read earlier jesus was on his last journey from capernaum to jerusalem before his death large crowds were following him In one of the villages en route, people were bringing their young children to be blessed by Jesus. Amazingly, the disciples rebuke the parents. Quite a strong word in this context when we think that Jesus rebuked demons. And Jesus' response is equally strong. He is indignant. Jesus says to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus takes the children into his arms and blesses them. He's symbolically adopting them, making them heirs to his kingdom. He doesn't tell Bible stories or or give them deep theological teaching. He just loves and embraces them. Children were virtually excluded from worship at that time, and their role was to absorb the wisdom of a a teacher rabbi. But Jesus was giving them precisely what they needed at that point, the unquestioning welcome of God himself. He was starting right where they were with things they could understand and experience an embrace that they will probably never forget. In the ancient world children are valued primarily for what they become but jesus is saying the kingdom of god belongs to children and you must become more like them the adults must become more like the children not the children become more like the adults well surely the whole point of of life is to grow up but rather than children being important because one day they will be parents and custodians of the covenant, Jesus teaches that children demonstrate the best characteristics of discipleship. There's a huge amount we can learn from children, but what springs to my mind first of all is their powerlessness and their vulnerability. Children are totally reliant on those who look after them. And it's the idea that children are dependent on flawed adults for their care and protection that makes them so vulnerable. We need to be honest about our powerlessness and our vulnerability when we become followers of Jesus. Entering the kingdom of God is not about status or achievement. If we're self-assured, self-reliant and self-serving, If our goal in life is to be obeyed by others or to claim special privileges, then we block God out. But if we acknowledge that we're sinful, flawed, inconsistent, and untogether, that's when God can start working in us. So Jesus's point is the kingdom of God is populated by those who become like children. The greatest are not those who promote themselves but those who acknowledge their powerlessness and vulnerability because the kingdom of God was designed for them. Jesus' comments challenge our assumptions about religion being adult centered. Children are not only set in the midst, but presented as a spiritual example to us. They're part of the church. On entirely equal terms with adults that's why at Christchurch sometimes children and adults worship together and learn together sometimes they will be separate how are children going to learn from adults if they don't join them in worship how are adults going to learn from children if they're kept apart Shushri Church is something Stephen has popularised and I love the fact that the children and young people, including my tiddly winkies, are in for the first part of the service. And though their motor skills are not quite up to the colouring sheets out at the front, they can still make a noise and move around in an atmosphere of love and acceptance, joining in with the children's song, with a little bit of persuasion from mum and dad sometimes. And of course, we have the 7-Up service once a month when our older children can experience an entire worship service with a specially tailored interactive talk. So to follow Jesus' example here at Christchurch, our vision is to see children and adults being equally welcomed, loved, valued and cared for in our church life. Children who are taken to church in the few months of life don't need to hear Bible stories or deep theological truths. The first thing they need to learn about God is that in church among God's people they will be cared for and kept safe. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) You're right there, Matty. I'm not oh oh gosh. I'm not saying that learning Bible stories is unimportant. But they can be kept for a while till they match the needs and capabilities of the child. Right from the beginning, the love of other Christian adults should be the first experience that our children are aware of in church. A baby that finds church a place of comfort and stimulation close to their parents is learning that love and protection are the characteristics of God. And that sense of being within the love and embrace of God is something we want to preserve throughout a child and young person's experience of church. And of course at Christchurch we have all the systems and procedures in place so that parents can be absolutely confident that their children are safe and cared for when their parents aren't physically present. Thank goodness society has woken up to the idea that the protection of children is an absolute priority in our churches, and in all other institutions. So having established that our first priority is keeping them safe, protected, and embraced within the love of God, how do we put Jesus' attitude of unconditional welcome into practice in our children's groups? For us to engage with children and young people in a meaningful way, we must understand their needs, their strengths, their limitations, their joys and delights at each stage of childhood and adolescence. And children's ministry must also be rooted in the discovery and application of the Bible. But it's the job of parents' and children's groups' leaders to teach children primarily about God's unconditional welcome. They can then follow that with obeying him as soon as the children are able to receive it. But this needs to be done in ways that engage children and young people on their own terms. And that doesn't mean talking down to them in simplified versions of adult thinking. Engaging children's and young people's minds involves offering them something different at different stages. For example, Research has shown that preschool age children will engage with the idea of Jesus as a good shepherd, but primarily as a nurturing, name knowing mother figure. The lost and found idea in the story of the lost sheep is about forgiveness, so, it has moral implications and is much more of a concern for middle childhood. The shepherd as a guide who lays down his life for his sheep is about searching for an identity and a role model, a quest we associate with adolescence. But before we even think about interpreting our theme in an age-appropriate way, we must start by building a bridge into the world of the Bible. For instance, most children will have never seen a real shepherd, but the majority will have seen a real sheep, even if only in a city farm, so that helps, doesn't it? It's hard enough for adults to think themselves back into first-century Middle Eastern culture, let alone children who educationalists tell us have no sense of place apart from what they're familiar with until they're 10, and no sense of history till they're 12. So we need to help children build a bridge from their own experience back into a distant culture, radically different to our own. We recently had a session on Jesus healing the paralyzed man in tiddlywinks. So starting from where most two-year-olds are and trying to build a bridge into the Bible story was exercising my mind last weekend. The basis of the scheme is that there's a special book called the Bible that tells us all about God's love for us. So my aim for the session was to show that God loves us so much that he wants to make us better just like Jesus did with the man who couldn't walk. To build a bridge with their own experience, I brought out Tiddlywinks Ted, our special teddy bear with his leg in a bandage. Children of that age love to role play with their toys, and several Tiddlywinkies wanted to give Tiddlywinks Ted some medicine to make him feel better. Hopefully that was a good way into the story about Jesus healing the paralyzed man. Although my only recent experience of leading a children's group is in tiddlywinks, the same applies to all ages. We can create a bridge by, for example, dressing up, drama and role play, shared experience or a fact-finding mission. If, for instance, we're looking at a Bible story about sibling rivalry, and there are lots of those, A discussion about whether older siblings should have more privileges than younger ones, like more pocket money or staying up later, would be a good way of talking about shared experiences. Googling Joseph's coat of many colors might well come up with the fact that the Hebrew word doesn't actually mean multicolored coat, but a coat with really long sleeves, which would have made manual work very difficult, if not impossible. No wonder Joseph's brothers were jealous. They had to do all the work. Having built a bridge into the Bible story, then telling the story itself is another challenge. I prefer to tell the story rather than read it and use visual aids like toys, puppets, and everyday objects that the children are familiar with. Using familiar objects and describing straightforward actions using short sentences seems to work best with the Tiddlywinks age group. All children respond well to stories, and they're much better at projecting themselves into the action than adults are. Older children can discover layers of meaning for themselves and often don't need to be told by a teacher what the story means. It's so important to understand the thinking capacities of the children we teach to be able to engage their whole selves. For instance, if you were telling the story of the crossing of the Red Red Sea, preschool children might see it as magical or supernatural. Older children might also think about God using physical means to separate the waters. At the final stage, children might include God putting it in the mind of the Israelites to make use of naturally occurring conditions. Most children's groups will follow up the Bible story with an art and craft slot, which hopefully reinforces the learning. if that's not being too ambitious. The Bible offers an endless stream of art and craftwork possibilities and looking at the many exciting options on Pinterest is always part of my preparations for a tiddlywink session. And though the tiddlywinkies engage with the craft very quietly with considerable help from their mums and dads, they are immensely proud of what they've produced and desperate to show their craft to all of you near the end of the service. That proves that despite saying very little, a period of calm absorption in a craft activity is a a genuine source of pleasure for them. The discovery of the Bible goes hand in hand with its application. And a crucial part of this is the children's response to what they've learned in worship through songs and prayers. It It must be amongst the most exciting and involving things that happens in their group. And parents and group leaders have an important role to play in this. If we adults dance, clap, or raise our hands during songs following the biblical tradition, then the children will do the same. If the adults don't join in the actions, then the children will be subconsciously picking up that enjoying worship is something you grow out of. With regards to the prayers, we long that one day our children will pray on their own. But the group leader can help by giving the children a structure like the traditional thank you, sorry, please. For example, thank you God for our mums, dads, brothers and sisters. Sorry when we get cross with them. Please help us to be kind. In tiddlywinks it's mainly a thank you. Children need to catch our gratitude and our exuberance. And finally, it's our hope and our longing that our children will own the faith they've been brought up in, that they will accept it for themselves, that they'll accept the unconditional love and embrace of God. For young children, belonging to God is a helpful way to describe a Christian. Their toys belong to them, their pets belong to them. Then it's possible to talk about obeying God as part of the responsibility belonging to God carries. It's perhaps not quite so wise to talk about the part the cross plays in making them acceptable to God. They just can't take in what atonement means till they're more mature in their thinking. If any of your children at any age want to deepen their commitment then you could use the thank you sorry please model I mentioned earlier it could go something like this thank you God that you came to earth out of love for me lived a perfect life died and rose again sorry that I do wrong things but I want to change please let me belong to you And serve you forever this of course is just part of a journey a pilgrimage of faith as a child's knowledge of themselves and of God grow they need more and more help and support to work out what it means to live a Christian life they need loads of encouragement to continue to serve God particularly when they approach adolescence It's a great joy for us as leaders to share with parents and grandparents the spiritual nurture of our children. It's a great privilege to invest the unconditional welcome of God into these little children. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen.